Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's 9.30 in 716. The Whistleblowers speaking on WBEN. Every day that Bishop Malone remains in ministry is another day our diocese suffers. He uh, ordered us a number of number of meetings not to forward to him any negative um messages. I'm Tim Wenger on 930 and 716. So much to wrap up in the ongoing Church in Crisis coverage as we continue to closely follow the rapidly changing and complicated storyline surrounding the priest abuse scandals within the Catholic Diocese of Buffalo. Bishop Richard Malone had his say Friday exclusively on WBEN doubling down with Tom Bowerly and saying he's not stepping aside. He's in touch with Cardinal Dolan and feels he still has support from the majority of his clergy and the Catholics within the diocese. Cardinal Dolan, through an archdiocese spokesperson in New York, told WBEN Susan Rose we should expect something sometime soon and that the situation with the Buffalo Diocese is being closely monitored. On the podcast this time, we hear from both of the whistleblowers who came forward from the inside of the hierarchy of the Malone administration of the church. First, the most recent to have left actively serving Bishop Malone, the priest who served as secretary to the bishop and who himself is a victim of priest abuse. Well, uh, I was uh, in, in on many levels a very uh, vulnerable uh, person at that time. Father Richard Bernard called into the special call-in program, a dialogue on WBEN on the crisis in the church with WKBW's Charlie Specht and our Brian Mazurowski. I was, uh, I had no family here in this country. I had some distant relatives, but no no family here, no, no uh, uh, friends. I'm new in this country. Uh, this was only my my uh, uh, was it like sixteen seventeen months here, so not even two years. Um, I've never had English before, so I'm I was just you know knew enough English to to uh, uh, order latte at Starbucks, you know. So so I was in that sense a perfect uh, 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 prey for for a predator. Because you know, I, I knew very little about the country, very little about the the, uh, the justice system here. I, I did not have uh, support, uh, so it was very easy to to groom and uh, very easy to keep quiet. Father Richard, a lot of people since the story ran have been asking me, "Wow, you know, knowing his story and what he went through, I can't even believe that he went on to become a priest." So, why did you you know decide to stick with it and not just give up altogether? Charlie, it's quite emotional to to respond to this. It, it was um, people like Jennifer. I have uh, hundreds of people in in my life that that have been so awesome um, and supportive, and and um, and that I feel in in the in the um, depths of my soul that that was the purpose that God made me for uh, to be a priest, and and um, 
it, it, I, I never wanted to be a priest to be part of a, uh, a hierarchy or institution, but to, to serve the people. And, and um, actually, uh, Jennifer Kane, many others, uh, uh, showed me and taught me um, what the church is about and what the ministry is about. And, and uh, so, so it, it's, it's uh, because of the, of the lay people that, uh, uh, that, that I, I stick, uh, stuck with it and, and became a priest. Did you ever feel that you were helping to cover for other priests in the diocese who had done something either in the past or present? Uh, no, no, because I was quite vocal at the uh, senior staff meetings. You know, when, when you know, for example, for uh, Father Yeder, I remember being in a meeting. Uh, I still feel my hand, you know, from pounding on the table. Like abuse is abuse. When uh, there were discuss discussion of the three uh, young men that he was, uh, uh, they're over age 18, but under 21, he was giving them alcohol, he was uh, making sexual advances on them, you know, and, and grabbing their crotch and, and all that stuff. And, and that was only, I don't want to go more into details as we talked earlier. You know, there's so much you can say on the on the radio. And and I took a roll call. I said, you know, because we were, Bishop Malone was always always uh, rushing somewhere. I said, before we go, you know, we need to make a decision on, on Father Yeder. And all of us said he needs to go. Months and months before, you know, the story broke out. And uh, so all of us at the senior staff said he needs to go. And what did Bishop Malone do? Kept him in. And, 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 you know, so Bishop Malone may sometimes say, oh, with consultation with her is with his senior staff, it doesn't mean that with support of senior staff he might have uh, you know hear us, but did often contrary to what we would uh, what we'd suggest. And uh, he often did you know like in case of Father Yeder, he did that contrary to senior staff and also Father Croglio, who was the vicar for priests. Father Richard, I just want to read for people the um, the language that Bishop Malone used in, in the Father Yeder case, which you mentioned. Uh, when he confronted Father Yetter, he the bishop uh, wrote in a, in a memo, uh, he totally downplays any evil intent. He says his hand was on Kyle's thigh only momentarily. Um, and then at the review board meeting, um, it, it says here that uh, diocesan lawyer Lawler Quinlan said, while his conduct was certainly inappropriate, there was some concern that Father Yetter should not be treated more harshly than other priests who have been accused by adults of offensive or sexual contact. Can you talk about um, the role, the whole system that the diocese has uh, here when it comes to lawyers and review boards and all this? It sounds kind of like a complicated process when the bishop gets up there uh, and talks about it. Can you talk about how effective uh, this this entire uh, sort of bureaucracy that's been established within the church is? The, the, the issue with, with the review board is, you know, as much as they want to call it independent, it's all run by uh, attorneys. You know, there is no... Um, uh, minutes from those meetings, uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, uh, I remember Father Mark Noonan last year, that was a big part, I think, big part of his departure from, from the, his role was uh, wanting to have notes from uh, Father uh, Yeder, uh, the writer, I mean, Father Ryder's uh, case, you know, and, and because he was to go to, um, you know, be there when he was returned to ministry. You know, Bishop Malone didn't want to go, Bishop Gross didn't want to go, uh, and, and Father Mark had to go be there to represent the diocese. 
And uh, I remember uh, Father Mark was insisting on getting getting the, some of the uh, minutes, notes, and he never received it. As a uh, you know, second in command in the diocese, the, the attorneys never provided those to him. And it's, so it's all run by them. And, you know, with... Did you say that the diocese didn't provide them or that they didn't take the notes at all? They, did, they don't have minutes of, of the meeting? I don't know. I don't know if they keep notes or not, because uh, we yet have to, you know, even Sister Regina keeps asking, like, you know, those, those are, you know, we, we make decisions about the priest, but we have nothing in our archives to, to you know, back one way or the other, you know, uh, uh, in the decisions, you know, like, like everything is with the, with the, uh, with our attorneys, so so it, it's all run by the attorneys, and and I wish um, that, that review board was a little bit more independent of our attorney. Uh, Richard, the bishop yesterday or last week on our station said he believes he has the support of priests in the diocese. He believes he has the support of the congregation. That he gets a, a lot of messages supporting him. Is that really the case in your experience working hand-in-hand with the bishop? Are are things being kept from him in the terms of uh, negative comments? Oh, by his own uh, orders. You know, he he, uh, ordered us a number of of meetings not to forward to him any negative um, messages. So so, uh, because of that, he's telling, telling the truth because the most messages he gets are our support because he refused. He told us not to uh, forward any negative stuff to him. The clergy and the faithful here are just fed up with this. For her part, the first whistleblower who blew the case wide open in her 60 Minutes appearance, Shaban O'Connor, continues to emphatically call from alone to step aside. Every day that Bishop Malone remains in ministry is another day our diocese suffers. And the faithful and the clergy are really taking that to heart and trying to do something for the sake of our diocese. How much of a say, how much of an influence do priests within the diocese have, do you think, uh, on the bishop's office? I believe it would be very significant. It would be hard for Bishop Malone to effectively lead, not that he has been, but going forward, uh, knowing that any number of his priests are not with him. Um, it would be very difficult, and I think it would also be psychologically difficult for him to know that they have taken such a public stand. He said on WBEN last week, the bishop said that he thought it, it was in the minority, the number of people that wanted him to leave, but indicated that he would reconsider it if it swung the other way. Do you think an effort like this, these petition drives, might be enough to do that? I do hope so, certainly. I feel as though there are priests who, I, I saw it, they, they would frequently be in touch with Bishop Malone and show their support for him in many ways, but it really was the same kind of core group. Um, and I think there are quite a few that Bishop Malone has, has either ignored or not listened to or not been aware of. Um, priests who have been watching this and seeing the effect on their people and are, I hope and pray, going to finally take a stand and be silent no longer. Yeah, I'm wondering um, that effect. You mentioned you go to church on Sundays still, and uh, wondering over the past few days uh, within that community, what you've seen as far as the mood. Has it turned maybe even more so with the news of the last week? Definitely. I think there's a, a tangible difference in in the, the faithful here, and that 
is signed uh, through the petition the lay people are signing. Now there's over 10,000 signatures, um, and there was a huge burst of uh, signing going on over the weekend in response to those stories. People were shocked and sorrowful and then also fired up and wanting to do something about it. You know, still, though, do you think there are some priests that may be reluctant to go public with how they feel about this? Oh, certainly. And it's it's a very significant thing that they're being asked to do. Priests take a vow of obedience to their ordaining bishop and his successors. So this is very, very difficult for many of them, I'm sure. But I just hope they remember that obedience to leadership like this is, is really not um, appropriate to be asking of, of the priests. Um, you know, yes, the bishop has that, that uh, expectation of obedience, but the priest should have the expectation of a good and uh, effective leader for them and then for their people. Um, did Reverend Biernot have uh, a lot to do with this, maybe? You know, hearing some of these stories coming from another priest, uh, somebody who had been so loyal to the diocese? I would think so. I mean, I, I believe it certainly had a great impact on lay faithful and on his brother priest as well and he had the courage to do this and then also that he's a survivor and I know so many survivors are suffering deeply this ongoing scandal is a trigger and a trauma for them and I think his father being both a priest and a survivor is hugely significant. Uh, Siobhan, uh, Mitchell Garabedian who is an attorney working here in Buffalo on this crisis but also oversaw the scandal in Boston that saw the ouster of Cardinal Law he told us that all of these things help, but that money in the end will dictate this if collections are down enough. Do you think that that itself would be the most significant issue? It very likely could be. Unfortunately, I saw that money talks uh, much louder in the chancery than you would expect it to. Um, and I do believe that people are, are taking that to heart and they just feel that they can't give any longer. It pains people, but they don't want to be contributing to Bishop Malone's leadership um, in, in that capacity. So I do I do think that, that would have a very significant say in the matter. Um, Cardinal Dolan said, you know, he's aware of what's going on in, in the Buffalo Diocese. H- have you been able to notice, you know, maybe some of the higher-ups uh, taking a look at what's going on in Buffalo? I'm sure this didn't happen overnight. Right. I mean, he, you know, it's been going on here for over a year and a half, so I mean, I'm glad he's, he's noticing. Um, but I do think that the situation here is starting to embarrass a lot of the higher-ups, certainly Dolan, who's associated with Bishop Mullen, who's the head of Metropolitan, but other leaders in the, um, the hierarchy are embarrassed by the situation in, in Buffalo as a laughing stock. And I think they're looking to Bishop Malone to say, well, are you, are you going to get this taken care of, or are you just contributing to it and, and elongating this, this scandal and this embarrassment? Uh, would you agree that maybe, you know, to somebody like Cardinal Dolan or, or in the hierarchy of the Catholic Church, that 30 days can maybe seem like, uh, you know, a rapid uh, pace where to, you know, people uh, in the diocese or just people kind of looking at this story, it seems like forever? That's such a good point, certainly. I mean, we're living this day in and day out. This is affecting all of us in a much more significant manner. Um, and I do think that the Church generally moves very slowly uh, on a historical level, but but also in matters such as this. So, sure, you know, a weekend to us has been so long and, and difficult, but for Cardinal Dolan, it, it probably seems like his response has been much quicker than, than it feels like to us. Do you know what the bishop's relationship is like with Cardinal Dolan? I mean, he referred last week on the air that uh, he's talked to him several times throughout this. Yes, I mean, I think it's it's 
congenial. Um, I know that they meet pretty regularly at the Board of Bishops meetings, and then Colonel Dolan calls frequent conference calls with all the New York State bishops. So I would say that they have a good working relationship. Um, They've also worked together on the New York State Bishops Retreat that occurs in January every year. Um, So I know that there is a a good rapport, and I would hope that Bishop Malone would take seriously whatever advice or perhaps uh, censure that, that Cardinal Dolan might offer him. You can hear our exclusive interview with Bishop Malone, a Catholic Herald reporter as well from Rome, and all of the continued in-depth coverage of A Church in Crisis at WBEN.com. That's 930 in 716. We're back tomorrow with another edition from the studios of WBEN Buffalo. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.